I believe truly that the web belongs to mankind, and I think it's as revolutionary or, or more so than the, the printing press. Episode 72, March 2015. In this episode, Tom Dale, member of the Ember core team, talks about why he works on Ember, why it's cool, why JavaScript became so central for building products on the web, and what we can expect from Ember in the future. This episode is sponsored by the Dreblin Design Company and FieldNotes. So, why do you work on Ember, and what makes it so cool? I work on Ember because... I believe that the web platform is one of the most important inventions of, of mankind. I believe truly that the web belongs to mankind, and I think it's as revolutionary or, or more so than the, the printing press. And I think that it would be tragic for that platform or whatever dominant platform for that platform to be owned by a single company. And historically, the web has been a platform for distributing content, for distributing documents. We benefited greatly from that being open for everyone. It wasn't controlled by a company. You know, in the 90s, the browser wars between Netscape and Microsoft, I think, really demonstrated what can happen, the stagnation that can happen if a single corporate entity controls the platform. And now what we're seeing is that the, the web, the browser, is no longer just a vehicle for content, for documents. It's now a platform for developing applications. And at the same time, you have the mobile web or mobile applications becoming very popular. You know, mobile computing is spreading faster than like any technology before. And what we've seen historically is like in the 90s with desktop computers, that platform is being controlled by a few small corporate interests. And I think that the, the mobile web and building web applications is going to win out over native over time. But in order to do that, it needs the best tools possible. What's the time frame you see for this? People are always wrong when they make these predictions. But, you know, but who cares? You know, like maybe I'll maybe I say it comes in five years. OK, but then in practice, it doesn't come for 10 years. You'll forgive me for not being upset that, like, think about how transformative this is, right? Web applications run on any device on a standardized platform that anyone can implement. You don't have to go get permission from anyone, nor do you have to go through an app store, right? You just type in a URL and you have an application running across all of these different platforms. And you can load any content from back in like the 90s and it will still run on these devices. That is such an incredible thing that people, there's a lot of hand-wringing about, oh, the web standards process, it moves so slowly and native will always win. No, I'm sorry. If you, People have such short attention spans and they aren't really able to reason about the fact that not only has the web platform advanced, the pace at which it is advancing is increasing. So, uh, you know, I'll say maybe like five years before most native, uh, most mobile applications are written using web technologies, and I'll probably be wrong. It'll probably be 10 years, but it won't matter. What do you think is the reason that JavaScript became so central for building great products on the web? I mean, despite that many developers seem to have not much love for JavaScript anyway. Well, it's the only game in town. And JavaScript pulled off a coup in the sense that it was at the right place at the right time to see widespread adoption. And... At this point, 
the browser vendors have poured so many resources into making JavaScript fast and extending it that I don't think that we'll see anything like it in our lives again. I, I don't think Dart is going to be successful. Anything that tries to wholesale replace the language of the web is just, in my opinion, doomed to failure. There are nice aspects of JavaScript, but certainly it's not a language that anyone is in, in love with compared to, you know, if you, if you, that's the nice thing about server-side development is you can pick whatever language you feel most productive in for whatever particular problem you're trying to solve. In web applications, if you want to be in front of your customers in the browser, you have to write JavaScript. So I think that's okay, though. And the reason it's okay is because there are a lot of very smart people working on the browsers and working on JavaScript. And one thing that I always hear from people who I don't think have spent a lot of uh, spent enough time thinking about the problem. They always lament that browser vendors are not working on a bytecode. They say, you know, if only browsers had some kind of bytecode that I could compile whatever programming language down to, that would be so much better because then people could just write for the browser in whatever language that they prefer. Kind of like uh, JVM, right? The JVM lets you ship a bytecode, and it doesn't matter whether you're writing JRuby or Clojure or Scala or Java, it works on the JVM. And uh, well, I find that to be a very short-sighted view because people get very hung up on this idea that it has to be a bytecode. But in fact, what's happening is that JavaScript is itself becoming the bytecode. Now, it doesn't look like a traditional bytecode. People think of bytecode as being this binary thing. But in fact, you can take a compiled language like C or C++, and you can compile it down to JavaScript and run at close to near native speeds. The fact that it doesn't happen to look like a bytecode to you doesn't change the fact that semantically it's the same. OK, everybody, my name is Aaron James Draplin. Just got done telling you about my whole life, uh, the good, the bad, the gross, the ugly, the weird the sinister, the awesome. And now you need to go to draplin.com and buy some killer merch. draplin.com backslash merch and things that you need, right? Okay, you need to go there and look at this stuff. And then when you're done with that, you need to go to fieldnotesbrand.com and get some memo books. We'll ship them anywhere. If you're listening to this in Vienna, Austria, or Vienna, Illinois, hell, wherever that is, we will we'll ship them there too, okay? Fieldnotesbrand.com. You need these things. $9.95 for a three-pack. Would you pay for coffee today, right? Right, right? You need this stuff. So draplin.com, fieldnotesbrand.com. And uh, yeah, those are, the, those are the only two links you need in your life. There you go. Do you think it might become a necessity for good web designers to widen their skill set from HTML and CSS to become professional JavaScript developers? I mean, to be able to deliver great front ends? No, not, not at all. Um, I, I actually reject that idea a lot. Um, now, now, I think that there's tremendous value in it, right? Like, if you're a designer and you learn even just a little bit on how to program, you're going to be more effective at your job. But, you know, picking up any skill is valuable and picking up any skill allows you to do more at your job. Learning how to balance Excel spreadsheet is also going to make you better at your job. But there's this been this trend that says that designers have to become programmers if they want to stay relevant and I totally reject that. We work hard in Ember to make sure that the tools that we build 
are as accessible as possible for non-programmers. So we designed Ember to be great for building applications on a team. And on a team, you have a bunch of different people with different skill levels and different competencies. And oftentimes, you'll be working on a project with a designer who may know HTML and CSS, but they don't really know JavaScript. And that's why we reject any solution to writing web applications that requires you to write JavaScript in order to generate HTML. You know, in Ember, we use the handlebars templating library. And handlebars templates, from what I've been told from people who have gone out there and tried to use them, are much more approachable for designers who are comfortable with HTML but may not feel as comfortable with JavaScript as the developers on the team are. What can we expect from Ember in the near future and beyond that? Well, uh, we just wrapped up EmberConf last week here in Portland, and we had two major announcements, two big things that we talked about coming. The first is called Glimmer, which is our new rendering engine. Uh, Glimmer is, is lightning fast. It allows you to update a tremendous amount of data in the DOM, keep it up to date, in sync with models behind the scenes. And what's neat about it is that we were really inspired by React. React had a, a few really key insights into how to get the best performance out of browsers and DOM updating and uh, also improving the programming model of building these applications so it's easier for you as a developer to reason about. So we really liked those ideas. We thought they were good. And so we went to go implement them ourselves in Ember. And what we realized as we were as we kind of started implementing was that we could actually go one step further. So the way that Re uh, React works is you have a series of components, nested components, and each comp component has a, a render method. And so you just return whatever HTML you want to display. So React goes and it builds this tree of HTML, and then it diffs it against the last version that you had and applies that diff to basically brings the browser up to date. You mean in a similar way how Git works? Yeah, it's, it's actually kind of similar to Git. Every render, it does a diff like Git, and then it says, OK, what's the difference? And then it applies that to uh, the browser. Now, that requires running code, because their templates are all, all or their component uh, HTML representation is all contained in code, in <clears throat> what they call JSX. So in Ember, templates are authored using the handlebars templating language. And we knew that we couldn't have everyone rewrite their templates. But that also gave us an advantage, because in a handlebars template, we know which parts of your HTML remain static and which or which can be dynamic and can change as the application is running. So the so Glimmer, the new rendering engine, is actually an optimization on top of React, where instead of diffing the whole set of HTML, we know which HTML is going to remain the same, and we only diff the values that can change, uh, essentially allowing us to apply the same strategy as React, but reducing the amount of work that we have to do to generate that diff. And then the second big thing that we're working on that I think is you know farther away than Glimmer, Glimmer should be landing very shortly, but is really, I, I think, uh, incredibly revolutionary. And that is our technology called Fastboot. And uh, Fastboot is an attempt to bend the curve between client-side rendering, client-side JavaScript, and traditional server-rendered web applications. So Web developers want to support people who have slower connections, who have slower devices, people who don't have JavaScript turned on. They want the application to work for that. And usually the thing that people, the technique that is recommended is something called progressive enhancement. I assume you've heard of it. So progressive enhancement is really great. 
And it worked really well when web applications were not as sophisticated as they are today. But the problem with progressive enhancement is you render all your HTML, you implement all your logic on the server, then the server renders it, sends it to the browser, and then you sprinkle JavaScript on top. And you sprinkle on the JavaScript, and the JavaScript augments that HTML. But as you add more sprinkles, all of a sudden, it's like a cake covered in sprinkles. It's not a delicious cake anymore. <laughs> it, it, the complexity grows exponentially. And from talking with developers, they say, you know, we are implementing these really sophisticated features. I don't know how to do that in a progressive enhancement way. And so what they do is they just abandon progressive enhancement and they pick up a JavaScript framework like Angular, React, Ember. And then users who don't have JavaScript enabled can't use it. You can't curl it, right? Web scrapers can't access it. That HTML isn't accessible because it requires a JavaScript engine to render. So Fastboot bends that curve. And it lets you run the exact same Ember application that would run in the user's browser. But instead of running in the browser, it runs on your server in the data center. And it renders it there in the data center where you have control over it, where you can set up the environment. So if I'm a browser that doesn't support uh, JavaScript, like Lynx or something like this, or like an old Android browser, when I request that app, I'm not getting JavaScript. I'm actually just getting the HTML that I would see anyway if it was a traditional server-rendered app. And only after that HTML is loaded, I can see the content. I can see whatever I'm after. Only once that's completed does the JavaScript load. And then once the JavaScript loads, it takes over and becomes a more traditional client-side uh, JavaScript framework. What happens in the client? Uh, well, in the client, usually what happens in a JavaScript app is your browser goes and it visits the web page, and instead of being served HTML, it's served a big, you know, several hundred k JavaScript payload, and that's the app. And so, what happens when that app downloads? Well, first of all, you either see a loading screen, like a spinner, or you just see a blank white screen. Now, what happens is that once that JavaScript finishes loading, then it will run and it will generate some HTML that it inserts into the page. And it will set up observers and start your controllers and your components and all these things. So you can imagine with Fastboot, everything is working exactly the same as before. Everything else remains the same. The only difference is that that first set of HTML, instead of that being rendered on the client, it just happens to be rendered on the server. And then the JavaScript is smart enough to say, ah, I see that initial render has already happened. So I'm going to do the exact same thing I was doing before. But instead of creating new HTML, I'm going to attach to the existing HTML. But from that point forward, it, exa it uh, behaves exactly the same. It's, it's purely a, uh, you can think of it as a performance optimization. Basically, have that first render of HTML ready to go on the server, deliver it to the client as fast as possible, because the user doesn't care about the JavaScript, right? The user's there to see some sort of content. So it, the faster you can put that in front of them and then let the JavaScript essentially uh, catch up and then take over, it behaves exactly the same as before, but once it's loaded and taken over, then it will start doing things like client-side routing, doing really richly interactive stuff. Does it also make uh, it easier to index sites? Yeah, exactly. See, so SEO is a, a huge use case that people have had for it. Now, uh, most search engines, we know that Google has explicitly come out and they said, you know what, JavaScript is part of the web platform. We know that if we want to index modern web content, we have to run JavaScript in our search crawler. But there are plenty of other scrapers and search engines that don't. So it's going to continue to be very important for the foreseeable future.